I'm not ready for us to be done. Oh, he's coming back. Yeah, Wade, Wade will always come back, I know, so... Glad you're here this evening with us, and as I said in the beginning, we've been talking about finding God in the lyrics for a long time now. We're going to stop that after this week, only because there are other things happening, and we've been doing it a long time. I don't want to completely wear it out, so I'll come back to it again in several months from now and maybe make it a part of what we do every year, and still songs I want to get to and still some that some of you have given me, so we'll still get there. Tonight with our opening prayer, some of you might have said, well, who is that guy? Well, it's Wayne Roberts. Wayne and Tammy are here tonight, and Wayne is our new connection minister. And the thing is, he hasn't started working yet. So he doesn't start for another week, but they're still, they've already moved to town, and they're here with us. And so he actually gave that prayer as a volunteer tonight rather than a paid staff member. So we are glad that they're here, and in a couple of weeks, Wayne's going to preach for us on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and that'll be great. So tonight, as we talk about finding God in the lyrics, we're going to a song that some of you know if you're country music fans, more modern day country music for some of you. And for some, you're going to say, well, I haven't heard that song. And actually, none of the songs you've done through this series have I ever heard. But this one, I hope you will appreciate the words. It's called Here on Earth by Dirk Bentley. And this is a powerful song. Tim Blythe suggested this one. This song has a lot of strong words. In it. Let me just put it that way. And it's about a man who's lost a loved one. And so it's hard in some ways as you hear this song, especially if you were to hear Dirk Bentley sing it and not when you hear me read it. But I want you to hear the words tonight. Standing here on this cold ground, tears falling down in the dirt, this world keeps spinning round and round, but you're lying still in the dirt. Don't want to swim in this darkness, drown in a whiskey sea, but there's no making sense of the senseless while this pain is killing me. There's not a stone in my heart that I've left unturned, not a piece of my soul that I ain't searched. The only answer I found for all this hurt is that there ain't no answer here on earth. I ain't the best of believers, I ain't, I ain't the front of the church, I ain't at the front of the church. I've read the words of the teacher, but I still struggle with what it's all worth because there's not a stone in my heart I've left unturned, not a piece of my soul that I ain't searched. The only answer I found for all this hurt is there ain't no answer here on earth. I wish that I could be stronger. I want to have that kind of faith, but even if I did, I still wonder because nothing would change. Well, first of all, if you're going to have a good country song, you need the word ain't in it, okay? That's first of all. But... Second of all, there is some pretty good theology in there of that hurt. And it's not like when something bad happens, when we lose someone close to us, whether it be a person passes away or we lose a relationship or even if we lose a job, that, it's, that we just walk away from it. We all hurt. We all have pain. Every one of us has pain in life. It's part of what we deal with. And none of us, you know that old phrase, none of us are going to escape, escape this place alive. Let me tell you this, none of us are going to escape this place without pain. We just have pain. If we grow to adulthood for, for certain, we have pain. And we all ask why. 
doesn't matter if you are a person that never went to church. It doesn't matter if you are an elder, a preacher, deacon, whatever you want to call yourselves or whatever title you have been given. We all at some point will ask why. I'll never forget years ago, Carl Sagan was the, was the famous um, atheist. And he was the one who used to use a phrase back in the 80s and 90s that there were billions and billions of stars that got famous off that little phrase. And incidentally, at whatever university he was, the chair he was the university chair of was called the David Duncan Chair of, of Astronomics or Physics or something. I thought that was weird. It wasn't named after me, incidentally. I didn't endow it. But I remember one night on the late show that came on after David Letterman and Johnny Carson or whatever those shows were, I remember they asked him shortly before his death, why are you an atheist? Why don't you believe in God? And he answered that with, why did my mother die? Why is there famine in Africa? That was his answer to the question was why. He couldn't put it all together, so he decided God must not be real. That's exactly what people come to say. And, oh, I have so much more I'd like to say about that question, but I'll just leave it tonight because I'm not going to keep you very long. But this leads us to the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk hurt because his nation was on the verge of collapse. My heart's gone out to those folks in Afghanistan in the last few months or in weeks. I mean, it hasn't been in very good shape for 50 years and still had issues even back then. But when you can see it coming the way they could in Afghanistan... I mean, if you were listening to the news, you know, each day was worse than the day before. Another area was captured that had been, had been safe the day before. And you can see it coming. That's the world that Habakkuk lived in. Now back to this question of why. There's a big section of the Psalms about laments, about lamenting, about crying over pain in our life. And it's okay to do that. Habakkuk, a prophet of God, is going to lament and going to ask why. Why is all of this happening? And to put all this into perspective about what's going on in Habakkuk, understand that this was probably written, and obviously I had to do research to figure this out. I don't know, just know this off the top of my head. But this is written about the year 605 B.C., about 600 years before the death of Jesus, or the birth of Jesus. 15 or 16 years before this, Israel was flying high. Judah was flying high. King Josiah had come to power and had realized that Yahweh was Yahweh alone and that everyone should only worship Yahweh. He got rid of all of the idols. He told Israel to go back to only worshiping God. And you would think that everything in the world was going to be great because King Josiah has made worship of God, the one true God, the one that created Israel, the father of Israel, and that he had made him back to who he is supposed to be, and the people are worshiping him, and surely everything is going to be great. And then in about the year 608, about three years before Habakkuk writes this, about 12 or 15 years after King Josiah takes the reign, He's fighting, according to history, at Megiddo. You've heard of Megiddo before. He's fighting the Egyptians 
and King Josiah dies. In the next years to come, the Egyptians put a puppet king in Judah by the name of Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was nothing but a puppet for Egypt to do whatever Egypt wanted as far as religion and economics and all those other things went. But what really mattered was religion. And Israel is in trouble. And so that's when Habakkuk writes this letter. We only know, or this book, this is the only thing we know of Habakkuk. And in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received, How long, Lord, this is like why, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Well, it doesn't really matter what side of things you're on these days. We all feel a little bit of this going on, don't we? We all feel a little bit like the, like the, the cry that Habakkuk has toward God here. There's violence everywhere. It seems like justice is never served. And it doesn't depend. This group feels like they're not getting justice. This group feels like they're not getting justice. I mean, everybody kind of feels this way. Maybe we've always felt this way. And our memories are really poor of, what, of how we felt before. You remember the song, We Didn't Start the Fire, right? You all, you all have heard about that before, I know. But oh, the frustration that they have. They were being invaded, and when they were being invaded, times were terrible. You can imagine what it would be like. Well, if you've seen movies, I've never been in a country that was invaded. I've never gone through what Afghanistan went through. I've never gone through what other nations have gone through. Some of you may have lived through that yourselves. We have people in this congregation that have lived through that who have eventually come to the United States after their countries have fallen. And so Habakkuk can see what is happening to his nation and the crops are failing and there is, an, there is economic and social breakdown. Now the big thing about this is this isn't just some country and it's not, just, it's not even just the United States. I mean, this, these are God's people. This is God's nation, Judah, here. And it's falling apart and Habakkuk, who wants to do what's right, and Habakkuk, who wants to honor God, and Habakkuk, who wants to be able to sing about sunny days and beautiful days out on the prairie. It's horrible. And so he says to God, how long? But this is what is incredible about Habakkuk. And some of you may be reading the book of Habakkuk right now in that little prophecy. It just takes a few minutes to read. But Habakkuk vowed to be faithful. You see, this is the important thing for us. It's to vow to be faithful. If we live in a world where everybody has a job and everybody has enough to eat and everybody's happy and we all just sit around and sing Kumbaya together and that we also vow to be faithful when our health isn't what we want it to be, when laws maybe aren't what we like them to be, when things aren't going our way, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 he said I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts I will look to see what he will say to me and what I and and what answer I am to give to this complaint Do you know what he's saying I will be faithful no matter what comes I will be faithful 
It's interesting, Barbara and I were talking about, about this sermon just the other day, and she said, you know, you talk about this concept a lot. And I said, I do. I do. On purpose. Because what it feels like that I see here, we are not the nation of God. We're the United States, but we're not the nation of God. But certainly as the kingdom of God and as Christians, we are God's people. But sometimes what I feel is that the things that used to be so friendly toward faith and toward Christianity are not so friendly toward it the way it used to be. I mean, just people are different in their ways of talking about God and what people say. And people are very open with saying they don't believe in God or there's no place for church or, or uh, who knows if Jesus is really the Son of God. They're at least, if nothing else, much more open about that than they were at one time. It doesn't feel like it's so friendly toward faith. And it makes me wonder, what is that next generation like? What are we like five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road? I pray everything's great, but I also want to be ready. That we have to decide right now, I will be faithful to God. No matter what comes down the pike, I will be faithful. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. This is one of the most famous passages of Habakkuk. And, and you ought to have this on your refrigerator. You ought to have this on your mirror. You ought to have this in your phone. You ought to have it wherever. Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the, in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now I want you to stop and look at this passage for just a minute. He does not say, I'll hunker down through this, right? Sometimes, you know that phrase, hunker down? I don't know. That might be a Texanism. I don't know. But we're going to hunker down and we're just going to get through the storm. Well, often when we're hunkered down, we're not rejoicing in that. We're just tolerating it. A lot of times, whenever we go through something, it's like, I'm just, I'm just, if I can just get to tomorrow. And I understand there are days that all we can do is get to tomorrow. But I want you to see what he says. Even though I am flat broke and there is no hope of nothing else, not that I will tolerate it, but that I will rejoice. That's important. I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. If I spend all my time thinking about all the things that are wrong in the world, I'm going to be really down. But if I spend my time thinking about the joy that's in the Lord, and that's where my focus is, then I have reason to be happy on the worst day of the year. doesn't mean that I don't deal with issues and I don't deal with problems because I have to deal with problems. I've got to. There's no way to get around that. But I can also find a way to focus on being joyful and, and rejoicing in the Lord. And, you know, as I said this morning, we live in this scientific age, and there is a fallacy to this scientific age, I think, that we live in. I'm thankful for it, and I'm thankful for, for what science has done for medicine and for, for the economy and all those things. There's so many good things for science. I'm not against science, but there is a fallacy to this age we live in. And that's that we think that we have to have all the answers and we don't have to have all the answers. We think until I can 
answer every single question, I'm not going to believe. You don't have to have every answer. We're never going to have every answer. Now, we can try and we can learn more, but we will never have all the answers because we are dealing with God. If you're dealing with God, there's no way to have all the answers. It doesn't even make sense. And so sometimes people shy away from God because, well, I can't answer this. Why did my mother die? Why is there famine in Ethiopia? I don't have to have those answers to believe in God and to follow God. Well, Habakkuk didn't have a complete answer as to why the things were happening to his people that were happening. Now, he had somewhat of an answer, but still there was a why. And it's, they weren't following God. Yes, but why? And so at some point, always we get there. Do you all remember this? Those of you who have children or grandchildren, maybe you, or you remember this with your own kids? Well, tell me, you can have that question. Dad, why is the sky blue? And if you are much smarter than me, you can give them some type of a technical answer as to why the sky is blue. And then they'll say, well, why is that? Right? At some point, it just gets to because it is. You might be able to go 10 or 15 degrees down the line, but eventually you will say, just because. We will not have all the answers. Habakkuk doesn't have a complete answer, but he had confidence in who does. And that's what God calls us to be. Judgment was the main reason for the problem in Israel. And sometimes we're deserving, and sometimes that's logical. When we are deserving of punishment, it makes sense. I mean, if you drive 120 miles per hour on I-10 and you get a ticket, that's logical, right? That that's going to happen. But it's not logical for the person who is driving the speed limit and gets hit by you. That is not logical. It just happens. Sometimes it seems that it's just because. An answer I'll never have until maybe I see Jesus, and then I may not have the answer even then because I may not care at that point. It may just be because. Can't answer all those things. I don't have to answer all of those things. What I'm to do is to have faith in God no matter what. Look what Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 3.19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He says, I can do it because of God. Because the Lord is my strength. He makes me be able to run. I can go up to the highest place because God is my strength. I'm not my strength. The government is not my strength. The politician is not my strength. The economy is not my strength. My health is not my strength. And whatever else you want to put in that blank. God is my strength. God is the one that gives me energy. God is the one that gives me power. God is the one that gives me motivation. I follow because God is God. So here's my question for us tonight. Where do I turn in the chaos? Because there's a lot of chaos. Some of us are going through chaos in our lives right now, and some of us are only are just now preparing for chaos. We just don't know it yet. Where do I go in the chaos? You know, I want people to find God whenever they come to the chaos. I want them to turn to God, and I'll encourage them to be there. But let me tell you, it's a lot easier to find God before you get there 
so you're prepared for it when you're in the middle of it. We will all find chaos, or it will find us, however you want to look at that. And so I have to decide, where will I go in the middle of it? To God or away from him? Tonight, we want to help you, however that can be, if you need to be baptized into Jesus, if, if you need prayer, you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org or come forward. Come this evening as we stand and sing.